The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 90. Yeah, we're already at 90. Mr. Benfica, I am your host, Mr. Mike Agustinho, and this is going to be a different kind of episode today. No, this is not a review of Benfica's 2-0 victory over Belenish Saad just a few hours ago. That will be coming in the days to come, as will a review of last Thursday's victory in Poland over Lech. Poznan. Um, those are, those episodes are going to require a little bit more time, and I will be getting those out to you in the next coming days. Uh, with Benfica playing so many games back to back now, it with such a short time frame in between, uh, it, it it is a little bit difficult to get these episodes out to you um, in between these matches. But I will continue to do everything I can to get them out to you as quick as possible. But this is the promised episode that I had uh, that I had said I would be releasing. Um, I was unable to, to record it over the weekend, unfortunately, with everything going on uh, in my professional and personal life. It just didn't allow me the time to sit down and talk about this, so I'm doing this here tonight, Monday night, all right, uh, October the 26th, uh, here on the east coast of the United States, and I'm talking about uh, Luis Felipe Vieira's visit to Trio de Tac last week. Now, this past weekend, Trio de Tac had a João Noronha Lopes on, as a guest and basically gave him the same platform that he they gave uh, Luis Felipe Vieira. As you know by now, the elections have been moved. They're no longer on October the 30th. No, they're not. Nope, they went from a Friday to a Wednesday. The club have moved them to the middle of the week, making it incredibly difficult for those of us abroad to vote. Um, I know a lot of you here in the United States are scrambling, hoping that your voting cards arrive in the mail. I've seen it on, on the social media uh, between Twitter and Facebook and whatnot that you guys are sweating it out, hoping you get your pin numbers and get your ballots in time to vote on this election. Um, I'm not sure where this is going to go. I was pretty convinced that LFV was going to win, but 
Noronha Lopes is gaining a lot of momentum here in the final days leading up to the election. And my original plan was to have election coverage on election day, but that is now pretty much impossible. Uh, on a Wednesday for me, that is nearly impossible. So when this is all said and done and when the votes are counted, I will obviously give an episode just like this one to give my thoughts on... Uh, I'll recap it and give my thoughts on the outcome and where I think the club may go from there. And if Noronha Lopes... Um, is elected the next president of Benfica, then I will have another episode just like this where I'll talk about his interview on Trio de Tac. But for now, we're talking about Luis Felipe Vieira, which everybody listening knows how I feel about. I don't need to to state my, my opinion on him, but I'm also not going to beat a dead horse. I try to be as fair as I can, and that is why I made a decision. And I was going to write a post on MrBenfica.com about this, um, but a uh, continued uh, frustration I'm having with my web developer um, in getting that site relaunched and getting it up and getting the new the new interface there for everyone to see. I chose not to to write it just yet. Um, that's also a, a time issue. I, I just haven't had the chance. But uh, I made the decision probably last week. Um, I had I had wrestled with the decision or with the possibility of endorsing a candidate in this election. Um, media outlets endorse candidates in elections of all kinds, sports, politics, you name it. Um, I have decided with a lot of thought that I find it to be not right when media outlets who are supposed to cover these things honestly and fairly, unbiasedly, announce an endorsement for a candidate, whether it be a political office or, in this case, a sporting office. So I have decided that Mr. Benfica will not endorse any candidate in this in this election, nor will I ever endorse a candidate in an election for the club. Okay, I believe that that would jeopardize the integrity of my, um, of my opinion. That would jeopardize, in or in my opinion, that would jeopardize, like I said, the journalistic integrity of, of this platform that I have here that I'm very fortunate and very blessed to have this microphone that you guys tune in to listen to what I have to say every time I post it. Um, I'm, I'm so thrilled and happy with the increasing number of subscribers I've got. You guys have kept me on the top in the top 100 uh, soccer podcasts in Portugal for since essentially since June. And, um, you know, I, I take the responsibility very seriously because of that that I can't just use this this platform as a as a as a mechanism to campaign for a candidate I don't believe that is journalism I don't believe that that is what this podcast is about this is about what's best for Benfica and basically I want I made this podcast to talk about football primarily Initially, only about football. It has evolved into something where I talk about some of the modalidades and whatnot, and I talk about some of the off-the-field stuff. But I I came up with the concept for this podcast to talk about Befica to all Befikistas, not to just Befikistas who agree with me. Okay, And I don't want this to turn into some kind of endorsement for anybody because ultimately this show is for anybody who speaks English or understands English and loves Benfica. Whether you're a fan of Luis Felipe Vieira, uh, João Aronha Lopes, Rui Gomes da Silva, none of them. Whether you are a fan of Jorge Jesus or not. Whether you are a fan of a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2. Whatever. Whether you support 
support the national team or you wish Benfica were were the only team uh, playing, whether you wish there were no international dates, this show is for all of you, regardless of any of your anyone's political beliefs, anyone's religious beliefs, anyone's um, footballing beliefs. Okay, I made this show for everybody that supports Benfica. So this show is for Benficistas, for Benfica Nation, and therefore, Mr. Benfica does not endorse any candidate in this, in this or in any Benfica presidency election. That's going to be my ultimate stand. It's not that I am trying to be politically correct, because I, I certainly do not believe in political correctness, but I believe that doing that would be an obstacle to actually speaking my mind, and it would be an obstacle to to actually giving you the opinion that I believe you guys tune in to listen to, okay? But now I'm going to do my best here to give an honest and balanced um, account of what transpired one week ago or now, yeah, about a week and a day ago on RTP's Sunday night show, Trio de Tac, where Luis Felipe Vieira was the invited guest, somewhat unannounced, and I'll talk about that. And... um. I have some other some other opinions that probably will come out throughout the course of this episode. But really quick, I'm going to take a quick break to pay a bill, all right, because we got to do that. And I'm going to ask you to, of course, follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram, at Mr. Benfica if you're not already. You can also check out Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And stay tuned to MrBenfica.com in the coming days as I hope to have that finally Hope to have the new interface finally uh, launched. Um, hope to to have new content up there for you very very soon. And there's no YouTube on this episode. I didn't. This I don't think this episode calls for a video component, as there's nothing to show anybody. I'm just talking about uh, something that happened in an interview. Okay. And I'm just going to give my opinion. And this will be a shorter episode than most. So I hope you enjoy it. And um, we'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica, episode 90. All right. And here is a quick message. And then we'll be right back on the other side. And welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 90. So it's Trio de Taco week ago. And can I just say, this show used to be decent. This show used to be pretty good it sucks now this show sucks i have to say that i can't go on and, and break this down without saying that this show sucks they don't even talk about the matches they just talk about controversy they just talk about off the field nonsense um i thought these shows were were you know were were being banned or were being discontinued but this one stays so as as I was watching the first part of this show, waiting for LFV to come on, and of course, as soon as I saw him pull up in his car and park it outside the studio, um, and if you want to watch this, by the way, uh, the, there's a link to the interview portion of the show uh, in the show notes, but if you search for the full episode, you'll find it. Okay, there, there, you can find the full episode on YouTube as well. But you see him pull up in, 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 his, in his car, in his Mercedes or whatever he was driving, and you see him walk right into the studios and you know he's coming in right away. I was like, oh, now I have to watch this. My hope was that they were going to talk a little bit about the Benfica match because they had just played Riwav. Okay, I was hoping they were going to talk a little bit about it. You know, a little bit about the tactics. I don't know why I thought that because they never talk about that. They talk about referees. They talk about, you know, 
um, controversies during the week. They talk about transfer rumors. They talk about good buys or bad buys. They talk about presidents and, you know, scandal. And I'm reminded of when I was a kid, I used to love Sunday nights on RTP because Domingo Sportivo would come on. Okay, that was a great show. Limited highlights, but it was done so well. The legendary Gabriel Alves giving, you know, his his highlight package of every match in the Liga that weekend. You would watch them all, and I used to be glued to this, okay? I used to be glued to it. I, yeah, I'd wait for Benfica's highlights to come up, of course. But I'd watch all the other highlights. You'd see Ferenc versus Penafiel. You would see Beiramad versus Salgueiros. You know, and you would see the crowds, and you would see, you know... I remember in those days, those rain-soaked, muddy pitches that they played on. I'm not talking about that. I'm not that old. I'm talking about the 1990s. I guess that makes me old. Whatever. But I'm talking about that time frame. I'm not talking about the 70s or anything like that. I'm talking about the 1990s. Okay. And you would see players. You'd see Sporting's highlights. And you'd see players like Luis Figo. And you would see George Cadet. And you would see, you know, Paulo Souza. Or you'd watch Benfica with Rui Costa and João Vieira Pinto. And, and you know, the Isaías. And all those cracks that used to play in the league. And. They'd have a guest every week to talk about the game. You know, you'd have Figo on. You'd have, you'd have Vitor Bahia. You'd have Rui Costa. Whoever. You would have these guys on. Someone just, you know, put in a hat trick, for example. Isaias gets a hat trick. He'd be the guest on Domingo Sportivo later that night. He would join via satellite or he would be in studio. However, and talk about the performance. And we would talk about the game. And now the coverage of football in Portugal has disintegrated. At least on on the normal, quote-unquote, state-run TV. And I'm talking about RTP when I say that in Sikh. Um, it, it's just, it's polemica. That's all they want to talk about. They don't analyze anything. And it's it, I like watching the, 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 the analysis on Canal Owens on YouTube, but I can't watch YouTube. I can't watch Canal Owens live. It's not available in the United States, at least not legally. And... It's it's unfortunate because that's where all the good analysts are. I mean, TVE is an independent channel. They got a decent, you know, Maj Football uh, in collaboration with Maj Football. They have a decent analysis show with Nuno Gomes and, and um, with with uh, Elder Pustiga and guys like that that do a pretty good job. But, man, why are we not seeing highlights on Sunday night? Instead, instead Trio de Tac gives us, you know, Garbage, in my opinion, and it just gets better when you see Luis Felipe Vieira come into the studio. And, of course, at that point, I said, well, I better watch this, and I better take notes because uh, Benfica Nation should know about what he has to say, given that he won't uh, he won't debate any candidates, but then he'll go to the friendly confines of the RTP studios and talk to these guys. So... Right off the bat, the host Ugu Gilberto asks LFV if he signed JJ to save his presidency. Georges Uj, a little perturbed, the president denies that and says he, he says he wants to start out before he answers the question with words of solidarity for the Casa do Benfica that had been attacked that weekend in Braga. Okay, a Casa that is regularly attacked in Braga. Okay, this isn't the first time, and the president points out that this is at least the 20th time, if not more, in his presidency that that house has been vandalized. 
He then mentions that the Kaza, he mentions by name the Kaza president, and I, re, I wrote his name down, uh, Delphine Araouge, and then he says, Eu Luige and a Luige, or and Luige. He doesn't give Luige his last name, so I don't know who Luige is. Ta- I'm guessing he's the vice president. Um, and the LFV will say, he laments that if one of his opponents had incited the violence with, with words, by making insinuations about the role of the Kazaj in the club, and that has been a hot topic in this in this uh, cycle, if you will, in this in this campaign cycle, the power of the Kazaj and the extra votes that they have has been very hotly contested by the opposition candidates, and obviously that is because the Kazaj are firmly. In the pocket of Luis Felipe Vieira. No disrespect to any Casa do Benfica, but it, it, it's a simple, you know, it's simple politics of, of kickbacks. Luis Felipe Vieira takes care of these Casas. He, he gives them money. He sends Luizão to make an appearance to sell autographs. He'll send Rui Costa to another one. And he'll, he'll, you know, buy them a, a gift or he'll help them get built. And he'll make sure that these Casas are indebted to him. At least that is the claims made by the opposition candidates. Now, I'm not in a position to verify or deny those claims. I'm simply letting you know that those are the claims being made. And LFV says that it is the... It is... uh, He says, if that is the case, um, then these candidates don't know anything about the Kazakh or what they stand for. He does not proceed to tell you what they stand for in a typical politician move. Um, Not to get political. I'm going to try very hard not to get political in this episode because I see a lot of similarities with Luis Felipe Vieira and another candidate in in world politics, possibly in my neck of the woods, who is just repeating himself and not really making sense all the time and not really finishing his sentence kind of like this but I'll leave it at that I won't I won't get into it I don't want to piss off my audience okay like I said I I want my audience to know that when you listen to Mr. Benfica I'm not going to insult your personal beliefs your political beliefs your religious beliefs any of that so I'm talking about personalities and I'm talking about possible uh, foggy memories when I compare Luis Felipe Vieta to a certain politician. Now, as I said, he's told us that the other candidates don't know what these Kazakhs stand for. He does not proceed to tell the viewers what the Kazakhs stand for. The president says, second, before he continues, he wants to also send well wishes to Andre Almeida, who suffered a bad injury, as we know now. Torn ligaments in his knee, MCL, PCL, ACL, it's all torn. The knee, you know, the ligaments had to all be repaired uh, with surgery, and he is going to be out for a minimum, uh, I think, until April was the last that we had heard. And he tells Andre Almeida through the TV that he knows he's going to come back stronger. And better than ever. So he now finally backtracks to the question. Luis Felipe Vieira says no. George Zouge was actually <laughs> this is this is great. George Zouge was actually a controversial choice. And if my goal was to win re-election, I would not have picked this controversial choice. I would have picked a safe choice. Yeah. 
he would he would not have picked somebody so divisive was also the word he used. He stated that the conversations with George Jesus started back in March to bring him in while Bruno Lage was still in charge. And even during the lockdown when the Liga was suspended, LFV tells us he was trying to convince George Jesus to leave Flamengo and come to Benfica. Remember, while that was going on behind the scenes, he was also publicly um, and stubbornly supporting his, his manager, Bruno Lage. When we were all saying that maybe it was time for a change, this president was calling us stupid and telling us we don't know any what we're talking about and that we'd forgotten what he had done and that we were ungrateful. And this is what bothers me about this man. This is what bothers me about people in politics. This is what bothers me with about every single candidate on just about any ballot running for office anywhere in the world. This is what they do. This is their game. They say something when it's convenient. And then later they backtrack and say, well, what I really meant is this. As soon as what they said in the past is no longer convenient. Now, since we're recording this on a, on a Monday night and <laughs> more information has been stated... Uh, there was a statement from, from Luis Felipe Vieira. Remember at the time when he said Bruno Lage was always the number one choice? He's now said that if George Jesus had said yes at the time that Rui Vitorio had been sacked, he would have come in then. We all thought that. We all thought that. Now, I wasn't podcasting at the time, but I was listening to podcasts. And, you know, I and I had commented on social media and said in conversation to people that it seemed to feel it felt like George Jesus was coming back. I think the idea was that Bruno Lage would take over temporarily. We would bring him back because things were going poorly in the Middle East for George Jesus at that time, uh, contract-wise. And w- and I was I was surprised when George Jesus was not signed at that point, and Bruno Lage ended up going on a nice run. You remember when, when Luis Felipe Vieira also... Um, put the idea out there that jo- that jo- Jose Mourinho was coming in, and Jose Mourinho quickly put a put an end to those conversations. Um, Luis Vieira is now saying that JJ was his choice before Bruno Lage. At that time, he didn't say that. I understand why he lied. I don't agree with it. I think, especially in a democratic club like Sporting Lisboa Benfica, you need to be honest with your membership. You need to be honest with your fan base. Yes, a lot of people were calling for George Jesus. A lot of people weren't. There was a lot more in favor of bringing him in when they finally did bring him back in. And I, I you know, my opinion, I've stated on this uh, on this show in plenty of episodes. I don't need to rehash it. But all of a sudden, you know, Luis Vieira here with, with his presidency on the line and a lot of pressure, there's a real possibility he loses this election. Um... I still have a kind of, I'll believe it when I see it kind of attitude, but I think it's going to be quite close. Close enough to make him sweat. He's starting to backtrack on things he said in the past. Next, Ugu asks him how, if he feels like Benficistas have forgiven Jota Jota JJ for the hot summer, as he called it, Uvron Kent when he jumped ship to Sporting. I've addressed this issue. 
I've told you how I feel about it. Some of you disagree with me, and, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I understand those that disagree with me. I understand where you're coming from. Some people have not forgiven that. I've come to the judgment that I think that the fault of him leaving in the first place was Luis Felipe Vieira. And it's funny how six years later he can, or however many years it's been, he can backtrack and bring the guy back in like a total ally when he kicked him out the back door all those years ago. We could have been winning championships for the past five years. I mean, we could have won a lot more than we did. We could have performed well in Europe. No, we would not have produced the talent we did out of the Seychelles. We would not have sold a Joan Felix for $120 million. We have not have sold a, a Ruben Dias for a $60 million or whatever. No, none of that would have happened. But we probably would have won a lot of trophies in the past half decade had LFV not kicked... George Zouj out because he had other plans basically to cash in on on the you know initial investment of the Seychelles. It was time to sell. And you can include Renato Sanchez in that deal as well. Um probably maybe none of those guys come through to the first team and make that kind of money for the club. Who knows? However, in fairness, the three I just mentioned, and if you want to include Victor Lindelof as well, all came into the first team. Out of necessity. And it, it, we, we like to think that Rui Vittoria and Bruno Lage um, went and uh, got these guys because they were ready. And because, because you know, in spite of the position the team was in, th we like to think that, that these two managers, and I've not, I've never, you know, hidden my one appreciation for both managers. I had frustration with both of them, but I still to this day continue to be a big Bruno Lage fan, and I think that what happened to him was a disaster and was a travesty, and the club through the club and the players seem to have thrown him under the bus. Okay? I'm not I'm not straying from that opinion when I say this. But sometimes we give those managers too much credit for for launching the young players because in reality, they did it all out of necessity. Lindelof was called into the first team because we needed a central defender and the market was closed. Ruben Dias, same thing. João Felix came into the first team because we were not scoring. We were playing poorly. And he was sitting on the bench and we had a new manager. And of course, he's going to make a change. Renato Sanchez came into the first team because we had nobody to play the eight. Very similar to the type of team we have right now as far as its its construction. If we had a Renato Sanchez in the B team right now, there's a chance he would be in the first team. I, there's a chance George Azuz would call him in. No, he does not have a record of doing that, but that's because his teams don't seem to have those holes. This team this year has a couple of holes, and the B team doesn't have the solutions. Both outside back positions are holes right now. We have not addressed that. Okay? We now we're in a position after tonight's match. Grimaldo's injured. We're now without both of our starting outside backs. How in a, a system that we play that is so reliant on the outside back stretching and and, and widening the pitch, do we not have depth at those positions? If we had the players in the B team now to file in, I am fairly certain 
JJ would call him in. So, back to the original point. Had he not been sent away six years ago, there's a good chance we win four out of the those five championships that we did not win. Yeah, we won three of them. I get it. We won two with Rui Vittori and one with Bruno Lage. But I think our level of play would have maintained higher. We would have returned to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, perhaps, or to another final of the Europa League. Who knows? Maybe we would have won them all. Maybe we would be sitting here today instead of trying to win back our title. Okay? And tr- and trying not to to give Porto a third title in four years. We could be looking at our, not our 5th, 6th, 7th. We could be looking at our 8th, a run at an 8th consecutive title this year. We could be looking like Bayern Munich or Juventus, domestically speaking, had LFV not gotten rid of Georges Jesus. So, to be asked if fans have forgiven him, the question should have been, have fans forgiven Luis Felipe Vieira for sacking, essentially, or for, for undercutting and effectively sending away George Zouge all those years ago. That's how I would have. That's how I would have phrased the question. Of course, that's why he's not on my show and why he's on their show. I don't doubt for one second he approved all of these questions before he showed up in that studio that night. Softball questions, as we call them here in the United States. Next, he's uh, he's asked about Seychelles, and he he get and he gets adamant. I mean, he is adamant. Seychelles is still the priority, regardless of who the manager is. That is still where the options lie. He says. He lifts off uh, an impressive list of of Seychelles alumni. Okay, defends the loan deals that sent away Florentino Jota and Thiago Dantas. Also. He also talks of the. Uh, my handwriting is horrible in these notes. I apologize, but he also tells the viewers here. He bre- breaking news. He tells everybody that there's a possibility Jetson is returning from his loan in January. Yeah, he's having a hard time getting on the pitch for Jose Mourinho right now at Tottenham Hotspur. That's true, and Benfica does not have an up and down box to box number eight right now in the team. That's true. He would fit in beautifully in this team, I think. With a manager like Georges Azouz, I think he could be pushed and he could grow immensely. We're already seeing massive improvements in in, in a player like uh, Nun Tavares. If, if Jetson comes back in January, okay, and he works his way into the starting 11 under Georges Azouz, I think he can grow leaps and bounds. We'll see if that actually happens. Or if he is just trying to throw out carrots to to make fans feel good about bad bad business moves that may have been made in the past three seasons. Tottenham hasn't said anything about this, by the way. Uh, then Ugu asks about the, opposi- the opposition uh, candidates uh, growing to the president. How the oh he asks if the opposition growing the growing opposition to the president while recognizing uh, the Benfica pre LFV and what we have today are two very different realities. So Ugu says, you know, 
while recognizing that today's Benfica and the Benfica of 2000 that you came into, or 2001, whenever it was, are two very different realities, he asks if he feels that the opposition has grown to him. And LFV at that point, he uh, kicks into the answer we have heard from him time and time again over the past 17 years. Uh, he says... He says that he reaffirms his worth of the last 20 years. And he continues to compare today's club to its worst point. Uh, he states that other, all the others abandoned when, when uh, he s- stayed strong and followed through with the vision. Ugu asks him if he's referring to Noronha uh, Lopes and Rui Gomes da Silva. Remember, they've been there before, too, in in, in lower uh, ranks and did leave the club for different reasons. The president says uh, he's not mentioning any names. And he says the club is so well-respected internationally. He goes, and this is like a complaint. He says, the club is so well-respected internationally, yet so jealously and enviously hated here at home. That point's very true. That point is very true. The club is, there's us, and then there's everybody else. And yes, the the other clubs have a, a deep-lying, or at least the most radical wings of the supporters of other clubs and the leaders of other clubs have a deep, deep-rooted hatred for our club. It's true. And it is built out of jealousy and envy. I do agree with LFV on that. But that has very little to do with the opposition to him from the membership. He states opposition is healthy for the club. But he says that these opponents lack a concrete project and a plan to improve the club in any way. So he takes his shot at his opponents without them having the opportunity to rebut, of course. This is why he doesn't want to debate. He wants to debate this way. João Gobern, the the Benfica on the panel, asks the president, where the money for all of these player investments in the transfer market has come from this year. Luis Felipe Vieira admits that these purchases, and he's talking specifically about Everton, Waldschmidt, and Darwin, would have been impossible last year. He says that the club is ready for hard times ahead, and um, he says that it's a good place to regenerate losses that the club is in a good place, excuse me, to regenerate some of the losses they suffered due to COVID, but admits that if not for the the market deflation during COVID, that some of these players would not have been possible to bring to Benfica. Luis Felipe Vieira goes off. He goes off a little bit off the topic, and he goes to refute the claims that he has any say in which players play or don't play. He was not asked about this, but he he took the opportunity to refute that claim. And he says he has every confidence in the manager and he has whoever that manager has been, he has always had that confidence in him and he has never told the manager which players play and which players don't, despite popular belief among, you know, the supporters and the membership. Especially when we talk about the Champions League 2019-2020 group stage where we saw literally a B team, almost almost an entire second choice team of young players showcased on a, a platter. 
while the club, you know, suffered in results. Luis Figueiredo took this moment to refute that he had anything to do with that, essentially. So he's putting all the blame on Bruno Lage. I don't buy it for one second. Again, I'm trying to be as as unbiased and as as objective as I can. However, one thing I'm at this stage in my life, at 37 years old, I I don't have patience for BS anymore. I don't have t- patience for people going through the motions. Um, I have learned, I believe, to see through a lot of people. It's not just Luis Fleetvieta, trust me. It's people in my everyday life. I can see through the BS that they're spitting. And I don't buy a lot of what anybody says. I'm skeptical about everything. That's just who I am. That's who I've become because of the things that have happened in my life. And I have um, I have good reason to be skeptical of everybody. Okay? It's nothing uh, personal against this president or against anyone else. But life has taught me not that things are not what they seem on the surface and not to believe every everybody's as well-intentioned or as honest and truthful as they lead on to be. So with that, the, the questioning is handed to the panel's resident Portista, its former manager, former Portuguese national team manager, and former president of Penafiel, if I'm not mistaken, Antonio Oliveira. And right off the bat, him and LFV profess their wonderful friendship for each other and the former Porto manager, and he's a current SAD investor for Porto. A lot of money in that SAD has come from him. He's a former owner or or co-owner of Olivid Sports as well. Olivid Sports is the agency that's often attacked by uh, Rui Gomes da Silva in his campaign, saying that he's the one that got Benfica out of that contract with Olivid Sports. Olivid Sports owns the... You would know Olivid Sports mostly through its publication that it owns, Ujogu, or perhaps did own. I don't think the company Olivid Sports is still afloat. But they also used to produce the television games for, for, for Portuguese television. And... Um, which was a major conflict of interest when it's owned by the Oliveira brothers, one of which being Antonio, who is now an investor at Porto, but at the time a manager in Sossio at Porto, former player for Porto, also former Portuguese national team manager. He asks the soft, he gets ready to, to line up the underhanded softball questions as he says, <laughs> and LFV cuts him off so he can talk about their friendship. And LFV, Luis Felipe Fieda, wants to address his friendship with the Prime Minister of Portugal, Antonio Costa. And Vieira is criticizing the media's handling of his role, he's talking Costa, of course, in LFV's slate on his ballot. Okay, He had a role for the Prime Minister of Portugal in his board. As an advisor, I, I don't know exactly. Some of it gets lost in translation with me when they get into technical political terms. I do lose some in translation in Portuguese. But from what I understand, part of his campaign, part of his cabinet, included Portugal's prime minister, Antonio Costa. Not sure how that's legal. Well, I can see what's legal. But I, with all of the processes and all of the complaints and all of the legal uh, inquiries and investigations against Luis Vieira and against Benfica. Wouldn't that be such a conflict of interest if the 
Prime Minister of Portugal is a, is in an official role with the club, but he ha- he landed him. You know, he he listed him on his on his list of associates, if you will, on his slate, and he has since removed him under pressure, of course. And Vieira goes on to blame the media for that, and he he's also blames the media for giving you know for giving a microphone for untruths and he he accuses media outlets of being associated with the other candidates and goes on to say that he runs a clean clean campaign and he will not insult anyone despite how he's been treated by the opposition how stand up of the president oliveira then asks why and he, he's sad about this. You can see the sadness in Antonio Oliveira's face. He's like, my friend, why? Why Otamendi? When you knew, and then he goes, he, he quickly regroups says, when you knew that JJ wanted someone else, when the real question is when you knew he was a Porto icon. LFE says, it's one thing what the manager, what the, he says, he corrects him, he says, it's one thing what the journalists and the media Report and it's another thing. What is actually true? And he says the conversations JJ and I had. Uh, only we know what we said to each other. And he reiterates that George Jesus never said he didn't want Nicolas Otamendi. And controversy streaming up about Nicolas Otamendi in future episodes. I think I'll get to it. You probably, if you've been listening, know where I'm going to stand on that. But I'll let you wait for that. And now. I'm going to play a quick sound bite for you because he is asked about the president is asked of course about this being his final mandate and he's being asked about Rui Costa replacing him in 4 years time. Here's what the president had to say about Rui Costa. Última pergunta, se me permites, porque é que e se é mesmo verdade que estás a pensar convictamente que o meu querido amigo Rui Costa que eu aprecio muito foi um jogador brilhantíssimo, que era o jogador que mais estilo eu gostava de ver jogar, admite e acreditas convictamente que ele vai, ter o seu, vai ser o teu sucessor Não, presidente. Vou dizer uma coisa, posso dizer é que é o último mandato meu, esse sem a certeza disso, e que eu disse... Que eu não disse, pode mudar de opinião daqui vou, aos meses? Vou, não, não mudo. E ter outro uh, mandato? Não, não vou, porque quem me conhece sabe perfeitamente, só poderia abdicar, abdicar... Nem para ganhar um penta? Ah, isso era outra coisa, mas vamos lá ver. Pronto, Imagina mas isso, que faz um bi tá, ou um tri... Mas deixa-me responder ali ao... Oh, 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 Agora agora fizeste-me perder aqui. Não, Rui Costa, Rui Costa. Não, Rui Costa, não, Rui Costa, não, Rui Costa não, não, o que eu tenho dito é que eu tenho a toda a gente é isto. E tô, as pessoas dizem que eu aquilo é uma monarquia. Não era uma monarquia. O que eu disse foi o seguinte: dentro do Benfica há gente qualificada para dar continuidade a este projeto. Ou seja, que eu entendo que este projeto tem que ter continuidade. Este projeto não pode claro, aparecer é. alguém agora ali no Benfica e claro. dizer não, agora sai aquele, sai aquele, sai aquele e vai... Voltamos ao tempo do, do passado. Não vale a pena nós estarmos nisso. E o que eu disse no meu discurso foi, tal e qual, mas é um sentimento meu, quem vota são os sócios do Benfica. Claro, eu sou o presente, tu serás o futuro. Foi o que eu disse. Mas quem vai votar são os sócios do Benfica. O que eu disse foi, eu sou o presente e tu, Rui, és o futuro. É o futuro. Quem vai lá votar são, são os sócios do Benfica. Agora, se o Rui está preparado, o Rui, logicamente, tem 12 anos de trabalho comigo, vai-se preparando diariamente. Porque é que o Rui vai integrado nos quadros hoje de, de, 
sendo diretor, ou seja, para entrar nos órgãos sociais do Sport Lisboa e Benfica e abdicando do vencimento. Logicamente vai ter outra abrangência de visão não do foi, Benfica. Não foi então uma mera, uma mera opção por campanha política? Não, campanha, não, 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 não. Campanha não, eleitoral? Não, não, não. Okay. não. So Antonio Oliveira asks Luis Felipe Vieira about his comments and about whether or not he is trying to position Rui Costa to be his successor. That's the former great player, Rui Costa, maestro, my idol growing up. I'm not going to deny that. I have said that many times that this was my favorite player growing up. Um, And I remember how happy I was the day he returned to Benfica. Even though he was in the latter stages of his career, he still gave us some brilliant performances. But he's asked by Antonio Oliveira about that. And Vieira quickly, uh, he corrects uh, Oliveira a little bit. And he says, what I said was that there are people in the structure, in the club, in the board right now that have the capabilities to continue my project after this because he said this is my last he used the word mandato my last term and then the host the host Hugo Gilbert says that pode mudar de ideia you could change your mind and he says no I won't change my mind says Luis Vieira those who know me know that when I say something and then <laughs> the host says but what about to win a penta you know to win a fifth in a row If four years from now he can fight for the fifth in a row, he goes, ah, oh, well, that that's another thing. <laughs> quickly backstepping. And, I mean, he's about to tell us that he's a man of his word, and he quickly, quickly packs on that. Okay? But he says that he wasn't talking specifically about Rui Costa. He's talking about everybody within the club. He says there's people within the club that have the qualifications and the capability to take the project on after he moves on. Now, he does, he does say that... Kosha has been there for 11 years with him and is more is learning every day and has learned a lot and would be a very very valuable and very very capable uh, president someday and but he does say that the will of that who his successor is not up to him but up to the sausage of Benfica and he goes on and he talks about that and uh just a, a little bit of an interesting comment but again this guy doesn't really answer too many questions straight on as you can see he's well versed he's been it's like he's been trained by professional politicians how to deflect questions and how to kind of get around the the pressing point and just sound good or or try not to say something wrong um, this is this this whole interview for me is Luis Felipe Vieira in a, to put it in a football equivalent. It's like a team that knows it's the 90th minute and they're ahead two to one or whatever. He knows he's ahead in a close race, and rather than trying to go for the you know to take these questions head on and score the third goal and blow this one beyond any doubt. He's the he's he's taking the ball into the corner, trying to step on it, trying to hold it there until the referee blows his whistle on this election. It looks like he he really resembles somebody slightly in the lead, just trying, just playing to hang on to the little advantage they have. Um, the the floor then gets given to the Sportingista on the panel. It's Nuno Gonçalves, and he asks politely, if you will, to to the president, and he says that he wants to talk about the Champions League. And he says, let's be sincere. A club like Benfica, who have won only one Champions League match in their last 12, and 
of the 54 points available, of the last 54 points available, have only earned 14. How in the year of the greatest financial investment <laughs> does he um, justify Benfica being eliminated by Pauk in the preliminary round? And he sort of asks LFV if this is... He asks him if this has become the new norm at Benfica and the new norm for Benfica in the UEFA Champions League. And LFV says, first of all, that notion, I remind everyone who says that we're o- we've only won one championship in the last three years. This was not what he was asked, but he, he, he prefaces his response with this to everyone who says that we have won only one title in the last three years. I remind you that we've won five of the last seven. Very good. That does not mean things are trending in the right direction. However, he wants to remind everyone that. And he quickly laughs off the question about the Champions League and asks the Spartanista if he is one of the oppos- if he is one of the people on the opposition slate because he sounds just like his opponents. And he rambles on without answering the question. He goes off into his own, you know, old same rhetoric that we have heard for years. Blah 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 blah. Then LFV he will double down on things he said in the past, and he says that. Of the players of Benfica graduate from the Seychelles, if only Benfica, us, Benfica nation, if only we were willing to wait four to five years with no transfers coming in, Benfica would be a candidate to win. Ready for this? The UEFA Champions League. Gonçalves gives it right back to him, and this is kudos. This, this guy might be the Spartanista on the panel, but every time I've watched this, uh, I've always felt he was the most knowledgeable on the game of football. And he says to him, well, if you actually believe what you're saying, sir, why haven't you done it? You've had 17 years. Thank you. Thank you. It, we've heard this forever, that, that the Seychelles is, you know, is home to the best players and that a European champion can be built there. Why has he not put his money where his mouth is then? Come out and tell the supporters that for the next four to five years we are not spending money on bringing players in. We are building a team to win the Champions League or to compete to win the Champions League. We will keep our homegrown players. We will not sell them. Okay, Every player in the academy today is going to be signed until age 25. We will not sell them until we meet our goal. We will not bring players in from the outside. We will grow it from within. We will put a young team on the pitch in year one. It's going to be tough. We're going to finish in fourth or fifth place perhaps. But we will build a winner down the road. Yes, if Luis Felipe Vieta believes that, he should have tried it. I know that he would have had a backlash. But you know what? I personally have said that if the club came out and said that that was their intention... I believe that I could live with it if that was the end goal and if they were going to stick to it. Now, the, the on the flip side, I don't trust the club to, to follow through with that kind of a promise, especially under this president. 
I don't trust the club. And then, and I'll be frank, I don't trust any of the other candidates either. They're not going to win an election, come in here and tell everybody we're going to fourth place because we're going to try to win a European championship in five years. But from a footballing standpoint, if you're going to say things like Luis Felipe Vieta has said, he should have tried it by now. I gotta give that was the best question of the whole interview. I think I gotta give a give a an applause to 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 Mister Gonzalez there for coming up with that question. And LFV then says, "Well, I haven't done it because you know financial obligations and supporters impatience, etc." Goes back to the supporters impatience. He gives excuses. What he should have said is, "I haven't done it because it's not possible or because." <laughs> What the honest answer would be, I truly don't believe what I'm saying. But why, why do that when you can deflect the blame to the supporters? Then he tries to analyze the Pauk match. This is hilarious because he knows nothing of football, and he reminds us of this as he tries to analyze the match. And he tells us how well we played and how on top of the match we were and how in any other day we would have won that game 5-0 or 5-2. to two. He's not entirely wrong about it, but that's... Not really. <laughs> I mean, there was still plenty wrong in that match. And I know he didn't want to throw the manager under the bus for setting out what was not our strongest lineup, which we now know. But he tries He tries to, to show his value in a football sense. And honestly, I think that this man should not talk about football on the pitch. He should not be talking about about. Chances squandered or chances created. He should stick to running the club. And he doubles down. He says he believes Benfica will win. In fact, he knows Benfica will win a European trophy before he walks away from the club in four years. Which by that me- by that statement, we also can imply or infer, I should say, that he believes he's going to win the election. Or he believes he has won the election. He addresses claims that he escapes the law due to connections to powerful people and says he doesn't know anyone of power. Although this is hilarious too because he, he in the last segment, 10 minutes ago, he talked about how his friendship with the Prime Minister of Portugal has been blown out of proportion by the media. Now he says he doesn't have, he doesn't know anybody of power. He quickly kind of detours and says, well, I don't know anybody at the, uh, I don't have any any one of power other than the president of the FPF. He doesn't, he forgot about the prime minister here. And, <laughs> and Ugu reminds him of his, of his friendship with the prime minister and LFV gets visibly annoyed. He says Benfica are not a part of any lobby. He points out Benfica are part of seven cases in the, Justicia right now and he mentions um, he re- mentions the Operation Lex okay uh, LFV responds reminds him newspapers and media don't don't convict anyone he says that if he wasn't the president of Benfica he'd have never been pulled into these scandals in the first place so he goes on to give this statement the I built this statement is what I called it but he, he talks about Basically, how Benfica has not protected him. In fact, Benfica has has prejudicado, has prejudicated him. And he says he's only in hot water because he's president of Benfica. Have a listen here. 
Neste, 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 neste quadro que tem a ver com os processos judiciais, eu gostava de o ouvir um, optar por uma das duas ideias, que é esta. Uma, o Benfica é o escudo protetor do cidadão Luís Filipe Vieira, ou o Benfica é a causa desses processos todos, dessas esse, insinuações todas? Essa é a verdade, essa é toda. A segunda? É a segunda. O Benfica a mim nunca me protegeu em nada. Pelo contrário. Prejudicam. A causa, o Benfica prejudicou-me e continua-me a prejudicar gravemente. A inveja neste país é mais muito má. Ninguém vai perdoar, quero definir. Que o indivíduo que a quarta classe fez aquela obra. E, e, e revolucionou o Benfica completamente, para não dizer revolucionou uma boa parte do futebol português. Sente-se vítima do preconceito, portanto, é isso? Sim, sim, lógico. Não tenho dúvidas nenhumas. Pois, há, dia, há, dia, há dias houve um, um advogado numa casa de... Não sei onde é que foi, foi em Lagos, salvo erro. Que fez uma declaração clara que disse assim Eu sou doutor. Mas tenho, tenho a, a, a humildade de dizer que não tinha a capacidade de fazer a obra que você fez no Benfica. Mas há outros que não conseguem fazer isto. Tem inveja de aquilo que eu fiz. Porque aquela obra que está ali, vamos ser claros, um dia a história vai saber... Se eu não tenha aparecido no Benfica, não havia estádio, não havia nada, esqueçam. Eu sei o que é que digo. E tenho noção exata e há testemunhas deste facto. Quer dizer, o Dr. Fonseca Santos há dias abriu um bocado só o véu. Mas se ele abrir o resto do véu, vamos saber o que é que se passou no Benfica. Uh, olha, quando eu cheguei lá, por exemplo, eu, não sei se vocês sabem da história, mas posso lhe garantir que um sério candidato para concorrer com o, com o Valas Vedo era eu. E tinha o apoio. E o Manuel Valdirinho sabe de onde é que eu tinha o apoio. O Manuel Valdirinho veio falar comigo. E eu, em prol da unidade do Benfica, desisti de concorrer às eleições. Para mim foi um alívio. Aliás, um alívio... Esteve com o Manuel Valdirinho? Não, 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 não. Foi um alívio. De, eu eu, eu de, não me sei candidato do Benfica, para mim. Pronto, naquela altura da minha vida, o meu filho estava a começar em termos empresariais, eu tinha que estar ao lado do meu filho. Passado seis meses, isto foi em outubro, em maio mais ou menos, ou abril, maio, recebo um telefonema que tinha, que tinha aqui para o Benfica. E foi para isso que foi lá para João Manuel Vidorinho. So you heard it there. He is the victim of being the president of Benfica. And that's why he gets roped into all of these cases and all of these investigations. And then he kind of goes off. He kind of goes off the, the topic there and starts talking about how he built everything we have today at Benfica. And listen, the man does have a role in the history of this club, and he did do a lot for this club at a time when no one else would. He brought us out of the darkest, deepest uh, depression Befica had ever known. Okay, I'm not denying any of that. I am not. Um, I'm not ungrateful for any of that. I recognize that, and I'm grateful for that. But everything, in my opinion. And in my belief, everything has its cycle and all cycles come to an end. And as someone who is a firm believer in term limits, I think that this president has abused uh, his his time, if you will. He's been there a little bit too long and he surrounded himself with too many, too many cronies, if you want to use that term, who are, who are all his hand-picked people. And he no longer has any opposition within the club. He says opposition is healthy, but he doesn't mean that. He he wants to continue unopposed and continue to do as he sees fit. But he goes off here, and then he goes on to tell us a few things that I don't think we knew. He says if it were not for him, he you know this club would not this the um 
If not for me, none of this would be here is his exact comment. Uh, he gives himself credit for the completion of the stadium and tells us he was supposed to be the candidate to run against Valis Vedu. Yes, he says that. Um, and then he says it, it was with great it was with such relief when he received the phone call from his friend Manuel Villarino asking him not to run. And he'd say, you don't want me to run. He goes, no, I'm going to run against Vali Uzvedo. And he said to, he told us that that was the greatest relief of his life. Because at that point, his son was just getting into business. And he wanted to be there to accompany him and to mentor him, to consult him. And he did not want to take over a club at that time. Remember, he was president. He, he stepped down as president of Alverca to join Befica. Um. But he does say it was a relief. And then he says months later, he was called by Villarinho to to leave Alverca and to go to Benfica. And he did so. And next, it was questions about his relationship, his distant relationship with Pinto da Costa. And I just wrote down blah, 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 blah. I like to say that because nothing of substance was said. Um, but he does then reveal... The president reveals to the audience that when they were selecting a new president of the league, he was informed by phone call from Pedro Proenza. And Proenza reveals to him that he is he is um, making a candidacy for the presidency of the league. Uh, Luis Felipe Vieira says to him that uh, he wasn't aware of that and that he says he was just meeting with the league and that he doesn't have the, the backing of any clubs. How is he making himself president of the league? And Provenza tells him he has the backing of Porto. And then Vieira says that he, Luis Felipe Vieira, and Pinto da Costa alone decided the president of the league. Together they, they, they appointed and convinced the league that Pedro Provenza is this choice. Very, very suspicious there. Uh, and then João Gobert and the Befikistas asks him, quite honestly, he says, what happened with Cavani? And again, the president sidesteps this and that and this and that and this and that. But then LFV says that Befika made many, many offers and that he had lawyers working on it night and day. And LFV admits there was interest and he he then tells us <laughs> with absolute certainty that in a face-to-face -face meeting Cavani would have signed with Benfica but the president but the president um was he grew tired uh, of the games between uh Cavani and his brother his agent when he received, finally he said, what is it that you want? He wanted to stop playing the games. He told him to tell him exactly the amount he wanted. Cavani responded with his demands and he said that it was, it was double. It, it was double, if not triple, what Benfica could realistically offer. And he said at that point, the deal was dead. Gonçalves asks him, and I'm paraphrasing this question, but he says he changes the subject to him, and he says this is this is another good question. This guy gave the best questions. 
the uh, he he was not giving softballs. He was definitely doing some some actual uh, journalistic work here. Gonçalves asks him, um, and it, and this is the paraphrase. He says, "If the ideal of democracy is so important to Benfica, which we talk about here, it is, and if Benfica are you know." They take pride in being a democratic club at a time where not even the country was democratic. When the nation was under a corporatist regime, how is it possible that there is no debate for this presidency, for this for this election? I was going to play the audio for you, but there's there's no point. You know what he's going to say. He's basically said that that. Uh, he didn't want to bring that type of humiliation to the club. He said he he looked at Jerome Gonçalves, who is a Sportingista, and he said he watched the Sporting debates intently. They were hilarious, he said, and he said they were embarrassing and humiliating, and he was not going to bring that to his club, and I think that is one of the weakest answers I have ever heard. That is as weak as, well, not having a debate because of COVID-19. Yeah, when you can totally do things apart from each other. It's it's an equally weak answer to say he didn't want to embarrass his club. And he goes on to say, and to protect BTV here, and he says, BTV is not covering the election because it never has covered and never will interfere in the electoral process. No one said the, the, that the... No one said that the debate would have to be on BTV. I actually think it would be much better and more honest if it were if there had been a debate on TVE or even here on Trio de Tac, um, where where people unaffiliated to the club would be moderating. A lot of discussion here in this part of the world here in the United States about moderators and debates, and um, I can only imagine what a BTV moderator would say and do to protect the president anyway. So I thought that there should have been a debate, but it should not have been on BTV. In fact, I think that Benfica Independent, I've, I've given them so much credit, and they interviewed all of the candidates minus one, the incumbent, um, in this election cycle, but they would have been great moderators to moderate a debate. I know it's a podcast format. It's not television. But with a little bit of creativity, uh, a producer at TVE or at Seek or Sport TV or Canal 11 could easily ask these guys who cover the club independently without any bias to monitor a debate between candidates for the presidency. It'll do huge ratings for the channel. And it'll be well run by those guys and girls at, at Benfica Independent. That's not what happened, obviously. But um, he he continues to protect BTV in that it's not their business to cover this election. Um, I did notice today on BTV 24, they finally mentioned something where they said that uh, there has been a change. Obviously, as you know now in the election process and that the date of the election has been changed and that there's separate corridors uh, for standing in line for seniors versus for younger people all with covid um with covid covid procedure in mind but that's another hot topic in portugal isn't it this evening um given the giant crowd at the formula 1 race yesterday at the grand the portugal gp yesterday um I'm not going to talk about that tonight. I do have an opinion, but I, I'll save it. And um, then we move forward, and 
Luis Felipe Vieira takes the opportunity to call Pedro Proenza a liar, but then reiterates that he has nothing personal against him. Pretty uh, serious claim to make. Oliveira uh, then goes on about the stadium bans for behavior of supporters of Benfica. And an agitated Vieta tells his friend to to check his phone and he'll see Benfica won another case on that day, apparently. Or they had just won another case and found not guilty of any of any wrongdoing. And then they bicker a bit back and forth, and it's really childish about different invitees that uh, <laughs> that each of their clubs invite to matches. Oh, you have this delegate. Oh, you have the president. Oh, you have the the prime minister. Oh, the mayor of uh, or the president of Camara, the mayor of Lisbon or of Porto, is in your. And it's just stupid. They go back and forth and bicker about it a little bit, and then we finish with a closing statement from Luis Felipe Vieira. And he tells everyone that he is the best candidate to run the club, reiterating when he arrived, not even the shoes on their feet belonged to Benfica. That is the interview of Luis Felipe Vieira. And this ran a little longer than I had imagined. I guess there was a little bit more to talk about. But all in all, um, again, those of you voting, I want you to make up your own mind. I will not endorse a candidate. Because I don't have the right to tell you who to vote for at the end of the day. Um, and I'm not a, a pollster. I am not a political analyst. I am not Wolf Blitzer or Anderson Cooper or, or you know, Ben Shapiro or any of, of those guys. I'm just Mr. Benfica, a football guy, a sports guy, a former coach. So, um, again, I, I make the decision to give the information I can to you, and I want you all to, to make up your own mind. I, I have noticed a lot of momentum for Noronha Lopes, through, uh, especially through Instagrams and Twitters. Um, especially on Instagram, a lot of you have posted that uh, picture of yourself with the, with the filter of, of Jean Noronha Lopes, uh, excuse me. Um, and that you are voting for for a Benfica ganador, a Benfica transparent, you know, transparent, victorious Benfica. So I do have a, I have a sense that a lot of the listeners of this show are voting for Naronia Lopes. Um, I do think, though, there is a very strong base for the president, Luis Felipe Vieira, um, one that's not on social media, obviously, one that's not listening to podcasts. Uh, one that's more advanced in age, that's watching uh, Telejournal and watching BTV. And um, BTV has always been very friendly to the president. So we'll see what happens. We are less than, we're about just over 24 hours away from this election. So you can stay tuned to uh, my Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And I will post anything that, um, that I learn between now and then regarding this election and the outcome and stay tuned to this feed as I will have reviews of both the Lech Poznan match and tonight's Bulanish Sad match in the coming days, hopefully in time for Thursday's home match with Standard Liege, but I can't promise that. Um, 
Again, work has been absolutely ridiculous, and it's just more and more being thrown on my plate right now, and it's getting very difficult to to create some content. But I do promise by the end of this weekend, by this weekend I'll be caught up, and you'll have reviews for each of the matches that are still missing. And I still have a women's team review to get out by the weekend or at least on the weekend. I, I'm working diligently to get all this content out to you. I do I do promise that. Um, it is a little difficult right now. My life is in a little bit of a of a roller coaster right now. It's 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 like it's absolutely crazy and through the end of the year it's gonna be this way. But I'm gonna do everything I can to keep creating content and keep presenting it to you. Hopefully um you'll enjoy it. I, I vow to continue to to keep up the quality of my content at least the um my intention is to to keep providing quality content and to keep the level of quality and keep that bar uh, keep that bar high for for Mr. Benfica. All right, I thank everyone for joining me in this special episode, and I'll be back in a couple days with a review of some matches. All right, this has been Mr. Benfica episode ninety. Signing off. It is the Mister Mike Agustinho, and I'll catch you next time. Carrega Benfica, Força Benfica. We are Benfica. Tamo 38.